This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the No Day Never preview show for Tottenham Hotspur at home. Now this is Burnley's third home match of the season, would you believe, and it's only our third match of the Premier League season. But it's another home game and we'll be talking all things Tottenham Hotspur. No now before we move on to Tottenham, we have actually got an extra special guest alongside myself, George Poole, and obviously our usual, usual magician in the preview show, Dave Roberts. We've also got Tom Whitaker from the usual analysis show. And that's because, Tom, you were at the Nottingham Forest game last night, weren't you, in the Cup? Just let us know. How was it? Thoughts? Was it an enjoyable evening? Because I know when I saw the uh, the goal from Amdouni, the, the the scenes in the away end look absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think we've all been a little bit starved of, uh, of something to cheer about in the last few months. I know I've been, the, the three games I've been to since we beat Cardiff were... Uh, Genk, Mainz and Man City. So I had not seen a score for about three months. So even though it was just a, a Carabao Cup second round winner, it, uh, it was celebrated uh, like something very special. Yeah, brilliant night. We played well, actually. I, I think it was uh, an improvement on the first two games in that we had a bit more control of the game. You know, it was a bit more like what we saw last season, uh, controlling possession. Um, Forests were quite sort of defensive, quite negative at home. I thought. Um, I suppose when you've got Chris Wood up front, it's it's going to be difficult to carve out too many great chances. Um, but yeah, I think we were the better team, especially the second half. We kicked on. Uh, obviously, we had a few injuries, which was the the major sort of downside of the night. They're getting stretched off, and Bettini and Ramsey. I don't think they'll be out for too long, but there might be doubts now for for the Spurs game. Um, but the subs we brought on, I thought Cullen made a massive difference. We really controlled the game once he was on. As as usual, you know, he's everything goes through him. And uh, we got to see Amdouni at the end. He look he looks a really special player, doesn't he? His close control is magnificent. He was bringing other players into the game, operated really well in that number ten, and then of course got his first goal as well. Took it superbly well. All in all, it was a great night, and uh, we've got a, a nice little title to look forward to in the next round as well. Yeah, we do. And just before I bring you in, Dave, on the the next tie. I was going to ask about um, Sander Burge and, and Murich because, Tom, for me, coming off the weekend game against uh, against Villa, I thought 
James Trafford was really unconvincing for the the first and the third goals, and I and I did miss Murich's presence. So I'm interested to know how he did against Forest. Obviously, it wasn't streamed anywhere, so I couldn't see any of the game. And also Sander Burge because that's another one where I came out of the Villa game thinking I'm not really sure where he fits here because he was you know playing as that deep player next next to Cullen, or he was in my mind. But then when the the game kicked off, he was. 30 yards up the pitch and struggled to get involved. So how did those two get on last night? Yeah, they both played well. Um, starting with Muir, then I think yeah, you have to caveat his performance by saying not even Forrest didn't actually have a shot on target. So uh, when you're a keeper, that's always an easier night. Uh, it was the usual stuff with Muir, really. His distribution was really good. Uh, kept the tempo going while he was picking out passes in the midfield. Um, There's a couple of crosses, especially in the second half. He came for him and he dropped him. And he got to, he got to them again, so he got he, he sort of corrected his own mistake. But it's the usual thing with Murich, you know. It's if if he's it, you know when there's balls in the box like that, he doesn't always convince. Um, but as I say, he corrected his own mistakes. Uh, he got great reception from the travelling fans as well. Everyone, this, this sort of feeling he got from the away end that was that they'd be happy to see him playing again on Saturday. Um, and then in terms of Burge, I think he was playing a bit further forward than he was against Villa. Um, and when he got on the ball, he looked really good. Uh, you'll, if you watch the highlights back, you'll see the goal from Amdouni. He's all, all comes from Burge, really. Picks it up sort of in the middle of midfield, driving run through. And there's two Forest players who come to try and tackle him. And he just swats them away. They both end up on their asses. Uh, picks a good ball out for good Munson. And then, and that's how, how we got the goal. So, yeah, that was an eye-catching bit of play. Um, and as I say, he looks a bit further forward. And he, and he, he played really well. I was impressed. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that because I, th- I think that's the impression we all got from Sheffield United fans was alongside, obviously, the sort of bitter, bitter comments about him. There was a genuine sense of this guy cannot play a holding midfielder. That's not, ironically, for a six foot three lad, that's not how he plays. He he plays as that further forward and he can make those those runs like he, like I saw in the highlights last night. So, yeah, possibly it's one of them with Burge where companies just finding out exactly where to play him. But straight after the match, we obviously got the cup drawn. To the surprise of everybody, it wasn't a club in Manchester away from home. We well, <laughs> in some ways, it was very close to Manchester. Uh, we got Salford away. Now I'm going to go to our Statman Dave Roberts for the first time. So Dave, how are your thoughts on the uh, the cup tie last night? Uh, well, on the draw, sorry. Uh, yeah, it's a good one, really, from our point of view. I mean, you'd have preferred to be at home, I think, but um, playing a a side lower down, it's a great chance for us to to progress to the last 16, isn't it? So um, we're used to being drawn against likes of Manchester City. Thankfully, we avoided them this time anyway. Um, so, yeah, a real good chance to to go away from home. Uh, a new ground to go to. We've not uh, we've not played Salford before. I think we played them behind, in a behind-closed-doors friendly uh, a year or two back. Uh, but none of us were able to see that. So it's a new ground for Burnley fans to go to. So it'll be a, a good one in, uh, I think, two, three weeks' time, isn't it, when that uh, game goes ahead? Yeah, annoyingly. It's when it's it's about it's the week commencing, literally like a day after I've moved back down to Bath. So it's going to be one that I'm not going to be able to go to, annoyingly. But Tom, uh, what are you fancying? Are you fancying going to that game? Or is that a bit, bit far on a Tuesday night or wherever from Derby? Yeah, it's a bit of a trip, but um, when it's a new ground, well, I've been before, but not to see Burnley, and, and I, I never, I never call it a proper tick unless I've seen Burnley there. So, yeah, I think I'll, uh, I'll be, I'll be trying to use a bit of annual leave for that one. I think it should be, should be a good trip. Yeah, well, hopefully, and I think, I think there'll be many fans after tickets for that. So, 
we'll have to see if us uh, top tier ticket holders can get tickets for that. I'm sure you'll be fine, Tom. But I suppose we better get on to the Tottenham Hotspur game because that's what we're all here to preview. Now, once again, before we get into the nitty gritty, uh, so to speak, we're going to have a quiz question for you right at the start of the show. Or oh, five or ten minutes into the show tonight, going off what I've done. Uh, and we'll, we, we will reveal the answers just before the end of the episode. Uh, this time around, we have our regular played for both question. So namely, and listen up, folks, can you tell us which four players have made at least 50 league appearances for Burnley and Spurs in the post-war era? And just bear in mind, that's up to the end of last season. So at least 50 games in the league for both teams. But this time, we're also going to throw in an extra bonus question, as we also want to know the name of the only player, so that's one player, who has played for our last opponents, Aston Villa, our next opponent, Spurs, as well as for Burnley in the post-war era. Now, as always for this season, we will reveal the answers before the end of the show, so stick with us. Uh, but Dave, I'm going to throw over to you for a summary of past matches against Spurs at Turf Moor. Yeah, looking back at past matches against Spurs at Turf Moor, uh, previous league seasons, there's been 52 of them. Uh, 42 of those 52 have been in the top flight. Uh, and eight of those have been in the Premier League era. Uh, overall, in our 52 home league games against Spurs, there have been 27 Burnley wins, 15 draws and 10 defeats. And Burnley have 95 goals against 60 for Spurs. In the Premier League, it's three Burnley wins, two draws and three wins for Spurs. Remarkable that. You'd have thought, when we, I suppose if you'd have told any of us when we got promoted in 2009 that we'd have as many wins as you know as, as Spurs do against us at Turf in the next 14 years, I think we'd all be very surprised. But yeah, wow, three wins apiece. Now, so far this season, we've been reminding you of two matches in our ones to remember and, and a one to forget feature. But this time, we're only going to recap one match as the performance was one that Burnley fans certainly want to remember even if there wasn't quite the happy ending we had been hoping for. And Dave, I've been really looking forward to this one this week because this is one of my favourite matches I've ever been to as, as a fan. So go on, what match are we are we in particular remembering this week? Uh, yeah, well, well, we have some Premier League wins to choose from. We're actually going back for a cup game. And the match we're going to take a look back at was a bittersweet occasion from January 2009, with Burnley having a seemingly impossible task in the second leg of the League Cup semi-final, Carling Cup as it was then. Uh, we were trailing 4-1 from the first leg at White Hart Lane and no one really gave the Clarets any hope of getting back into the tie from three goals down. But there was a packed turf moor, uh, I was there as well, uh, and knowing Coyle's team had different ideas. A cheeky first half free kick from Robbie Blake enabled us to pull one back and it was Blake whose jinking runs gave the Spurs defenders nightmares and ultimately led to our second goal, which came from Chris McCann. Uh, when substitute Jay Rodriguez levelled the aggregate score at 4-4 with just over two minutes remaining, we began to believe in the impossible. Sadly, away goals only came into the equation after extra time and there were only three minutes remaining in the second period of extra time when Spurs striker Roman Pavlyuchenko broke Claret's hearts when he slid a shot past Brian Jensen in the Burnley goal. And there was no way back when Jermaine Defoe scored again, meaning that our cup romance had ended in tears and our hopes of reaching Wembley had been dashed. However, that night spurred the team on for the remainder of the season. And as we now know, we did eventually reach Wembley in the playoff final, where a 1-0 victory over Sheffield United ensured our promotion to the Premier League 
to end a 33-year wait to get back to the top flight. Yeah, it all ended happily ever after, I suppose, then. But I, I, I can never really get that, that night out of my mind. I remember... I'm not sure why, but I think well, I think because um, because we'd been to Chelsea um, earlier in that Carling Cup one, we didn't go on the turf for that match, and we watched from home. And I remember just being in floods and floods of tears. And the next day, I went in, and my year three teacher, Mrs. Foster, was a Burnley fan as well, and she said, "Oh, you know, I did watch, watch the game last night." And as soon as she actually asked me, I broke down again in tears. Like I just couldn't. I was inconsolable. I thought this is the worst thing that could ever happen to a football club. Uh, Tom, memories from that night. Yeah, the the name Roman Pavlyuchenko still sends a shiver down my spine. Uh, don't think he ever did anything else at Spurs, did he either? But I can remember when uh, when Rodriguez scored for three 0 the the atmosphere was just unbelievable. But I was thinking we had him on the ropes then, and I was thinking, please God, get a fourth because I can't do another half an hour of this. And yeah, unfortunately, we didn't manage it. But yeah, it was a it was a great night, and I think a lot of what we've had in the last in the in the ten years since, and you know the Wembley win, it wouldn't have happened without that. I don't think so. It's one to look back on with the uh, with a bit of a bittersweet feeling. I think fourteen yeah. years, Tom. Fourteen <laughs> years. <laughs> I didn't realize George was uh, was year three only fourteen years ago. I thought that was more recent. <laughs> I know, if, you know, you're looking at his facial and you're thinking he's only just turned 17 or something. <laughs> but it was, yeah, well, I'd recommend any Burnley fans once, and I, and I say it's once after you've finished watching or listening to this preview show, just type in on YouTube, The Impossible Dream, Burnley Tottenham, and there's just a fantastic three-minute video from, I think it was ITV, uh, it was Granada Reports the, the, the following night. BBC, yeah. Was it BBC? Oh, it was just yeah. absolutely superb, yeah, with that music over the top. If I, if I ever want to like get get feel sad or, or really get into my feels about Burnley, I'll just watch that video. It's just, yeah, it's it immense. And you know, there's been a bit few rumours of maybe Jay Rodriguez might leave the club tomorrow, but it just makes you 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 you, you realise how long it's been since since then. He was literally just a little kid, uh, you know, with bum, bum fluff, just knocking it in past uh, was it Ben Amos? He was having a oh no, it was Ben Annick. Ben Annick. Ben Annick. Yeah. He was having an absolute nightmare in goal. Who's in charge and who's going to make sure that we get no red cards on Saturday? Well, we've got Darren England of Doncaster. He's going to take charge of Saturday's match at Turf Moor. And he was the referee last season for our 3-0 home win over Birmingham City. And his only previous Burnley match in the Premier League uh, was another Burnley win. That was an emphatic 4-0 away win at Wolves 
That was in April 2021. Chris Wood scoring a, a first-half hat-trick in that match. Um, he's also taken charge of two Burnley defeats. Uh, they were in cup competitions against Sunderland in the League Cup at Turf Moor in August 2019, and also the FA Cup fifth-round defeat to Bournemouth. That was in February 2021. Uh, no red cards were shown to either side. You'll be pleased to hear in any of his four previous Burnley matches. And finally, for this section, John Brooks is going to be the video assistant referee on uh, Saturday afternoon. Tom, do you have any do you have any memories from that Wolves away one? Because that was in the height of the four 0 It was in was it during the lockdown? I feel yeah. like it might have been. So there was no fans there. Actually, I'm asking our, our usual go to <laughs> guy, but that that was a behind the closed door one. I mean, I remember that was the height of like Barnes and and Wood still in emphatic form at that point. Yeah, it's first half hat trick, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, very good. I yeah, think back pretty much kept us up as well. Yeah, it did. It was. I remember it was one of them where you thought, "Wow, we, we've we really turned a corner that season after after uh, after Christmas, really." And then, uh, yeah, in Project Restart, we were fantastic and one of the better teams in the Premier League. Which I won't be surprised. That's a lot down to you know the the fitness regime, etc. That maybe Dash and his coaching staff will have made the players stick to d- during the lockdown, but. It'll be Spurs again this this Saturday. And I, I guess it's time to talk about the team, the players. Uh, you know, there might even be new players involved because just as we were coming to air tonight, we announced a new signing. Uh, Han Noah Masengo uh, was announced, a free transfer from Bristol City. He was out of contract at Bristol City at the end of last season. And, uh, well, it sounds like from a, a, fan, a, a mate of mine who's a Bristol City fan, he, he was refusing to sign a contract for the past year. And that's why he was sent out on loan uh, in January. So this was a transfer that we've been linked with for a few months now. Uh, and I suppose it's nice to, to get it over the line, uh, Tom. You know, a midfielder maybe offering that more physical presence next to Cullen. Yeah, I think we probably could have done with one more potty in there. Um You've got a few options there now as well. And then obviously there's a lot of rumours about Brownhill leaving as well. So if that were to come to pass, then we've got a bit of cover. So happy with that. I don't anticipate him going straight into the team, um, especially with his age. Maybe one for the, the under-23s or maybe one to, to go out on loan again. Or we might see him against Salford. But yeah, free transfer. You can't really argue there's no, no risk with that. No, and I suppose from free transfer to, to big transfer... Uh, the next man linked in the last in the last well couple of days. It's been a bit of a an up and down one. My heart's been going one way or the other. Uh, at one point, I thought Mike Trezor, you know, was our our new savior, and then the next minute, I really dislike the guy because he's turned us down. But the latest twist in this saga is that apparently, according to Sasha Tavalieri, uh, you know, easy easy for me to say. Uh, Mike Trezor is going to become a Burnley player tomorrow on deadline day on September 1st. His, his medicals are booked. And I believe it's a loan with then a, a view to buy, uh, well, it's an obligation to buy for £18 million next summer. Now, Dave, our spending this summer has been ridiculous, hasn't it? This is We're already over £100 million. Are there, Do you have any concerns about how much we've spent and, and, and how many players we've brought in? Um. I suppose there is that nagging doubt at the back of your mind. Where's all the cash come from? Because um, we, we, although we have got new owners, they haven't. Um, they, they've had to finance it in such a way that they weren't putting a lot of their own money in. So the money's obviously come from somewhere. Um, and obviously there is a, there is a plan behind it. The type of players they're bringing in are ones that are 
well, ideally going to have high resale value as well. But perhaps to do it all in one go has been a little bit of a surprise. You thought they might have speculated to accumulate and kind of done it over two, maybe three windows. But there's been a lot of activity. As you say, we're already up to around uh, 100 million with the potential of that um, going even higher before the transfer window closes. So, yeah, I guess it's one where we have to wait and see and and hopefully trust the methodology that the uh, the board and the manager have in terms of the confidence they have in these players. And the likelihood is that further down the line, some of them will have to be sold um, to, to enable us to kind of continue um, and invest in future windows as well. Yeah, you'd have thought so. And, and with the, the new contracts that we've offered to players, I do have it in the back of my mind that I, I do think we're, we're, we're on that cycle already. We're already thinking about what players we might sell next summer and, and the players that will come into the team to replace them. Now, staying with you, Dave, there's a, there's a couple more rumours before tomorrow's deadline of possibly Ian Matson coming on loan uh, and maybe Divock Origi coming from AC Milan or, or a, a Dakar coming from Leicester. So you've got a, a left-back and a striker there. And Sky Sports reported tonight that Origi's meeting with two Premier League clubs this evening. Uh, this is Thursday evening uh, to discuss you know, his next steps. So, Dave... If if you had the option of maybe just one of these signings coming off tomorrow, a left back or or a striker, which one would it be? I think we'd probably know your answer, but uh, but why why would why would you choose the one that you'd, you'd go for? I think I think like we said, all the window I think is that left back's been a position where we do need to strengthen. Uh, we've obviously tried to to get Ian Matson, and there does seem to be a, a chance that that might still happen, even if that is on uh, on loan for another season. I mean, it's interesting looking at other players available in the window as well. Uh, Taylor Harwood Bellis uh, is believed to be, I and mean, he's, he's talked about going to um, back into the Championship for next season, which was perhaps a little bit of a, a surprise. You'd have thought maybe from uh, from City's point of view, they might might have wanted him to. To try out in the Premier League to see whether he's up to up to scratch. I mean, obviously he's played um, under twenty ones, but in in terms of his progression, you'd have thought he might be looking to get um, uh, a go in the Premier League side. Um, it might be a position where we were look. Well, it was a position we were looking to strengthen, but we haven't um, haven't gone for him as as yet. Um, but yeah, left left back was certainly one where I think everyone wanted us to to strengthen. And Ian Matson would be well. We know what he's capable of. We saw what he's capable of last season, and we've seen glimpses of it already for uh, for Chelsea uh, this season as well. So he'd be a, a fantastic addition if we were able to get him on loan for another twelve months. Yeah, that that one's the dream for me. I think Origi would be you know cherry on top uh, as well as Trezor and Masengo today, but. We really, we really do need a left back. I think we saw it at Nottingham Forest how how much more balanced the team was when we just had Charlie Taylor playing at left back, for example. Now, sticking on the topic of Charlie Taylor, actually, then Tom, it's a a nice way to segue, I suppose, into the starting eleven for Tottenham. Uh, I know we've had a bit of discussion about this in the non ever group chat today about who we'd start for for Saturday's game, and and Tom, I believe you you put Charlie Taylor straight into your starting eleven, so. Can you, can you let us know who, who you'd start and then also maybe speculate about how your starting eleven might differ from that of Vincent Company come uh, 3 o'clock on Saturday? Yeah, I, I don't really understand the omission of Taylor from the first two games, if I'm honest. Um, last season, obviously, he was more used as a centre-half and he seemed to play in the games where we were away from home and expected to be under the cosh a little bit. I remember him being outstanding away at Luton and away at Blackburn, for example. Um I mean, I understand why, you know, company doesn't fancy him. He obviously doesn't suit the system that he wants, where the fullbacks are sort of stepping into midfield. 
technically he's not as good on the ball as, as some of the players we've signed who just slow the game down. But I think, uh, you know, we saw Richard did some really good analysis on the, the way we were getting caught in behind by Villa, pacey wingers, and it was noticeable um, last night when Forrest brought Morgan Gibbs White and Brennan Johnson on. They had a lot more threat down the sides, but uh, I thought Taylor dealt with it really well. He, he kept Johnson pretty quiet, pretty shackled. Um, so you think if we're, you know, when we're playing one of the better sides in the division, um, you might want to include him there for a bit more balance and a bit more solidity. But I think company's mindset is let's take the game to whoever we're playing at the turf. And for that reason, I, I don't expect him to, to pick Taylor. I think we'll probably see uh, either Delcroix or uh, or Roberts out there again. Yeah, I'd be surprised to see Delcro uh out out there. I think it I think it was pretty telling the fact that at half time against Villa he got uh moved moved into centre half. And I must say I, I did really like him at centre back. I thought he did quite well in that second half. But yeah, at left back he didn't quite quite seem comfortable. So I would be surprised to see him there. Um I'm with you, Tom, to be honest. I'd I'd start to Ollie Taylor. I think he's been unfairly treated in a way and I know the, these conversations will be happening behind the scenes letting him know exactly why this and that's happening or, or it's not happening but for me until you bring in a, a better left back than Taylor you should you should be playing him so that's one for me that I I differ from company um now Dave we saw a few a few promising performances in the last few games that I I think especially out wide you've got Luca Corleosho who I think looked really promising but raw at the same time. Now he's only eighteen years old. Would you keep keep Coleosho in the side for the Tottenham game, or would you bring him out now? He's had that little bit of experience, and, and maybe go with a more experienced player in the likes of a, a Goodmanson or a Brun Larson. Oh, you've got the option, I suppose, to uh, to bring him on as an impact sub, similar to what we did with uh, Manuel Benson last season as well. Uh, but we did seem certainly the start of the second half in the Forest game when. Uh, Munson came on, it did give us a bit of impetus, certainly for the first sort of 15, 20 minutes until they got the uh the their their third goal. Um but it's he's it's got plenty of options, hasn't he? He's got options in the wide positions. We've obviously spent uh, heavily to get players into those positions. So it may be a case of mix and match and uh, get a different player in and 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 have him in a different role, bring him on for maybe the last half an hour or so when the uh, Spurs players are a bit more tired. And then he's got even more chance to uh, to go at some tired defenders. Yeah, I think it was interesting. You know, we've we've seen Manuel Benson come off the bench so many times and make that make that impact as a substitute. So maybe it's a case of holding holding these guys on the bench that the players that you think in the last half an hour game they'll use their pace to get past a man and really take the game to tired defenders. Uh, maybe someone like an Eric Dyer, who apparently we've had a loan been rejected for. I'm not sure how much truth there is in. In that, but going back, going back to you, Tom. In terms of the the wingers, would you would you start with a, a Coley or Shaw, a Benson, those kind of players where you know they they're sharp, they're at it right from minute one, or would you maybe plump for a, a more experienced figure? You know, someone like a Brun Larson or a, maybe a Nathan Redmond. I know we've only seen him as a substitute so far. Yeah, I think for me it comes back to what I was saying about Taylor. I think it's just having a bit more solidity on the flank. I think uh, we looked a lot better in the second half against Villa when Goodmanson came on playing out wide. Um, it seems strange that he was a midfielder last season and we signed a load of wingers and then he turns back into a winger, but I digress. Um, yeah, I think for me, I, I, I think Benson, we've always seen he's better as an impact sub. Um, 
And I think there's probably a solid argument to say that that could be the case with Kolyosha as well, especially with his pace and his directness. So, yeah, for me, I think um, I'd like to see maybe Goodmanson on the right and either Bron Larson or Redmond on the left. I think all three of them played pretty well last night. Um, just, you know, keep it. Let, let's not let the game get away from us like it has done in the last two home games. And if we're still in it with 20 minutes to go, even if that's a goal behind, you know, You've got um, players who can come on and, and cause problems for the opposition in Benson and, uh, and Colliosha. So, yeah, I think I, that's what I prefer to see. But again, I can see company uh, just saying, let's let's go for it from the first whistle and, and start in Colliosha. Yeah, well, one of the, the things I really want to see on Saturday is us just not to concede in the first eight minutes of the game. You know, I think that would really set us up for a, a much better performance if we're, not, if we're not chasing our tails. And I suppose in, in terms of the the solidity of the side. It's not only the personnel, it's the formation we play. Now, we saw against Man City, we played, you know, a, a back back five, with, you know, three centre-offs and, and you had your two wing-backs. And then for the Villa game, we sort of went to a normal, a more normal four at the back. Dave, what would you do against Tottenham? Because I suppose, in my mind, Tottenham are, are that sort of big, big five or six clubs that you may, you may go more defensive against. But, if you'd have then asked me at the start of the season which team out of Villa or Tottenham are better, I'd have probably gone with with Villa. So I suppose Villa and Tottenham aren't too dissimilar these days in terms of the, the stature of club. Yeah, the benefit we have is that there's no Harry Kane. He has a habit of scoring goals against us, so at least we don't have that to uh, contend with on uh, on Saturday. But they do have other quality players uh, that are capable of um, of scoring against us we've seen in uh, previous matches but we, we don't have a bad record against them as we've said already at Turf Moor so uh, we'll be looking to you know we'd like to get something out of our home games if obviously we we were we were going to struggle to get anything out of Man City game we knew that we're up against it for that one we'd have hoped looking at Villa and Tottenham we get something out of one of those games obviously we didn't against Villa so that kind of puts a little bit more pressure on now to say well no, we haven't got anything out of those games. Let's let's make sure we do get something at least at least a draw, um, but hopefully a, a win against uh, Tottenham. Because you know, if if we're up to it on a, on the day, we are more than capable of of getting a win. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I I do see completely why people say Man City it's a write off, and yeah, to be honest, it probably is. But against the other teams in the league, the other eighteen teams apart from City, I really do think we've got to go into it with at least a a bit of optimism, a bit of hope that we we can do something. For me, I suppose that the Villa game demonstrated that whilst we go with a four at the back, we need to be really cautious in not playing too high a line, as Richard really analysed really well on the analysis show. And for me, I do like the signing of Masengo because Cullen looked really isolated in that holding midfield role. I think maybe having the two holding midfielders might be an idea rather than just Cullen and then the likes of Bergenham doing his sort of drifting halfway up the pitch. Uh, so I think that's something interesting to look out for on Saturdays, what formation we go with. But I suppose we could sit here and talk all night about what we might play, who we'd play, but it's better to to stick to the facts sometimes. And the next segment, of course, as you loyal listeners will know, is we're going to predict the scoreline. So, I, you know, I'll just, I'll break the mould here and as the host, I'll go first. And I'll say, I know I'm really optimistic usually um, and I'd usually go for Burnley win, but I'm going to go for a 2 or draw simply because I have annoyingly double booked myself and I'm working on Saturday from home, which is 
10 miles from the turf, so I'm not going to be able to go to the game. And I, I really don't want to miss out on a on a historic first win of the season. So I'm going to plump for a two-all. Um, Tom, I'm going to go to you first. What What's your score prediction? I'm quite optimistic about this one. I think Spurs have started, they look good, but they look like they've got weaknesses as well. I think it's going to take him a bit of time to get up, up to speed with the way that Postacoglio wants them to play. Obviously, they had a better result in midweek as well. I know they made a lot of changes, but even still... Um, I think Madison's a big player for them. So if we can keep him quiet, I've got I've got a sneaky feeling we might need this one too. One. Well, well, if that does happen, I'll be quite annoyed because I will be just sat at home, just watching it on my iPad whilst doing my work. It'd be really annoying. But Dave, are you going to join Tom and predict a a win to make twenty one thousand clarets happy and one quite miserable? Um, yeah, I'm gonna not gonna deviate from what I thought before before this show before we started recording, and I'm gonna go for a two one Burnley win as well. So I'm gonna agree with Tom. I think just to spite George, uh, Burnley are gonna win on Saturday. Two one. Well, I, I, well, two one. Look, I'm only I'm only messing. It would be it would be fantastic wouldn't it, to get three points under our belt and uh, against a, a side of the quality of Tottenham. That'd be a real statement of intent. Um, now, in terms of the fan, uh, in terms of the the preview show, as you you listeners will know, we we regularly give uh, fantasy Premier League updates. So I will let you know that there will be an update coming um, during the international break. We're going to have an analysis show early next week after after the Tottenham game, and perhaps reflecting a little bit on the uh, the cup the cup win as well. And then we'll have a fantasy Premier League update show during the international break. So all that's left for us to do tonight is to reveal the answers of the two quiz questions that we had at the start of tonight's show. So, Dave, without further ado, I'll hand over to your fine self. Uh, yeah, the four players we were looking for were uh, Ralph Coates. He played uh, a lot of games for Burnley, 216 league games, 188 for Spurs. Uh, we had Aaron Lennon. Uh, he's he's uh, played 74 times for Burnley, probably more than most people think, uh, and a lot more for Spurs, 266. Uh, Mitchell Thomas was the third name, 99 league games for Spurs, 157 for Burnley. And the fourth and final name, remember it was ones who played at least 50 matches post-war for both clubs, was Kieran Trippier. 170 league games for Burnley, 69 for Spurs. Yeah, because that's quite funny. And I know you, you you point out the 50 there, because I once you said Aaron Lennon, my mind drifted to Peter Crouch. That That's obviously... The combination, I'd have, I'd have completely fallen for that trap and, and gone for Crouch, but of course he only spent four or five months with us. Now, Trippier obviously was a fine player, weren't he? Tom, just before we quickly move on to the second quiz question, any favourite memories from Trippier's time at the club? Uh, I think the, the big one for me is uh, the chicken dance at Ewood. That's uh, that's what I think when I think of Kieran Trippier. Brilliant player, he's, and he's had such a fantastic career as well. Yeah, he really has. And next, he'll be going up against Kylian Mbappe, won't he, with uh, Newcastle joining PSG, Dortmund and uh, AC Milan tonight. Let's hope he won't be going up against Divock Origi because he'll be in a Burnley shirt. Um, but Dave, anyway, I I, I digress. This the second quiz question. So I believe this was one player who's played for Villa, Tottenham and Burnley in the post-war era. Yep, and you've mentioned him already. Peter Crouch was the answer. <laughs> Well, it's almost like, and I promise, listeners, there's there's a big thing in our spreadsheet here saying, you know, don't do not do not no peeking, don't look. So I didn't actually look that up. It's just a complete coincidence. It's almost like we're professional. But Peter Crouch, yeah, he he, he was fantastic um, at, at Tottenham, and, and he started his career with Villa, right, Dave? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, but had plenty of uh, time at Villa. He's, he, he, I think he only played about six games for us. He didn't play that many uh, towards the end of his career, but just kind of uh, came came on as a sub, really, didn't he? Yeah, he was. But he definitely won us that one penalty, I remember that time. And that's yeah. where I said to my dad it was worth him signing just for that. Uh, he so, never yeah, scored. No, never <laughs> scored, I'm afraid. But he's always, his last club will be Burnley. Anyway, well, that brings our preview show to an end tonight. So, listeners, thank you very much for listening. Here's hoping for a 2-1 victory on Saturday and three points on the board. We'll see you next week for the analysis show and thanks for listening. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. Our host and editor is Natalie Bromley and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby and Adam Dennett. Our music is provided by George Gaskell and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonenever.substack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners TalkSport. We are proud to be associated with the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.